keep grinding. Keep grinding. Look, yeah. it's no K out here. We live life in fear. Right now it's no justice. Death is all I hear. We really need to change. It need to be contained. Sad to say it won't. We rather live for fame. We need to wake up. Wake up. Stuff not the same. No. Till we realize we just gonna blame. It's no unity. No community. No. We rather ruin it. Make a fool of no. We should live life to the fullest. Yeah. Not be the blame or the cruelest. Yeah. We need to come together for the better. Yeah. Day and night. Forever. Forever. I say this from the heart. No cold. May peace be better than our soul. Better than our soul. Yeah. Welcome to LJ's open forum. May peace be better than your soul. Welcome to LJ's Open Forum Podcast today. And I would just like to say good morning to everyone. And today's topic will be when the African Americans get the right to vote. And that has been a topic that I wanted to discuss because it's been on my mind recently with number 45 in office and everyone seeming to be in a state of hatred in a state of fear, in a state of um, depression. Um, Everything that is going on right now, this is in everything that's going on right now in this country due to COVID-19, due to being, you know, stopped from doing your life and being the way we were because of this pandemic. Looking at the murders of African-American men and women, police brutality, looking at the hatred that people seem to spew towards African-Americans and people of color. We need to vote, people. Now, when I say we need to vote, we need to vote because we need a change. If you want to go through another term of, of 45 and you are a Republican and you want to vote for him, that's your prerogative. You vote for him. If you are Democrat and you look at it and you're like, hey, I need to do something different to make a change in my neighborhood, in my community, then you need to get out and stand in line to vote. Now, I'm not an advocate of, of voting by mail, not an advocate of that. So. But I am an advocate of you going out, standing in line, and, and, and using your, your right to vote, the honor that you have to vote as African Americans. Historically, in our family history, how personal it is for you to vote. Now, we may not know in our family history that our people fought to vote. But this is something we have to look at. Because if they went out there to fight the vote, we have to get out and vote. Wake up, people. Get woke. This is a personal endeavor for me. And it should be a personal endeavor for you to vote. I've not missed one. And I'm not going to miss this. God willing, I'll be there in line. My comfortable shoes and a chair. And a bottle of water to sit down and vote. 
Stand up and vote. Get out your house. Don't get that conversation started. Oh, it don't matter what's going to happen. It's going to be what it's going to be. Don't believe that. Didn't happen in in another um voting time when we voted at huge numbers in the African American community. I think Barack Obama was in office for a while there. Then I think we forgot a little bit about the plan of action that was to come post Barack Obama. People, we have to vote. So when you look at LJ's Open Forum podcast, you know what you gotta do. You got to follow me on Spotify. You got to subscribe to me on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon. You want to know when my episodes is going to come out. So when you subscribe and follow me, the episodes will come to you specifically on the day that I put them out. So I want you people to know that I also have a website www.ljsopenforumpodcast.com You can go on and listen to all the podcasts. You can go on and comment. You can also check me out on social media, which is Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under LJ's Open Forum Podcast. Please leave me some comments. After this episode, I will later on today be doing a Facebook Live. Um, So come on out, listen to me, Michelle Johnson. And we'll talk a little bit about the right to vote. Won't be long, but just a little bit of you getting out, being prepared to stand in line, being prepared to vote, being prepared to wait, help others get out there too, people. Help the neighbors, older people, take them with you, drive them, you know, volunteer at the polls, young people. I got a huge number of followers that are young. So I want you to get out there and volunteer if you can at your polls. Volunteer. Talk to your neighbors. Tell them to get out and vote and the importance of voting. Now, my the reason why um, my topic today is is that is when we're African-Americans given the right to vote is because I want you to know the history, a little bit about the history. And we've heard a lot about the stuff, but we want to look about a little bit deeper into the historical aspect. You, you know about Martin Luther King. You know about John Lewis, who recently passed away and all the people that have gone down south during the 50s and the, the 60s to fight for our people's right to vote there. But I want you to know a little bit about how the reason why they had to fight for this. And I'm going to just spend a little bit of time on it so that you understand that we have to understand about the right to vote and why it is so important today that we vote because our people fought and died to vote. And it was some pretty sadistic things done to keep you from voting, to keep our his, our ancestors from voting. The family history part for you should be that in the past, if I'm African-American, Asian, um, Hispanic, Indian, they fought to keep you from voting. So we want to look at that today just a little bit. And again, we're going to say the words, you know, you have to vote. People stand up and vote. And the topic again is when did African-Americans actually get the right to vote? So we're going to look a little bit into that. And I'm going to give you a couple of couple nuggets to take on that. When you speak to people, speak to their hearts about voting. Speak to the historical aspect of what their families went through to vote. And, and how we need to vote on every level there is. 
we have to vote. Okay? And I mean, on a local, state, government, United States, city, localities, everybody that you run into that's running for office, you need to know their platform they stand on and how they feel about certain things. Examples of that would be how they feel about prison reform, how they feel about police reform, how they're backing the prisons, the judges, the, the senators, the legislators, the congressmen, the sheriffs in your community. How do they feel about these things? Because the only way we can make a change is to know which, who, what, when, why, and how of everything. I've, I've been taught that for years from high school to college. We need to know this, people. Just don't vote because you want to just vote Democrat or you just want to vote Republican. You got to vote to know who and what, where, why, and how of the circumstance and how it's going to help or deter from you. So now let's get on with the topic today. So when did African-Americans actually get the right to vote? They really gave it to us. The 15th Amendment granted black men. Remember, women wasn't allowed to vote, so people get off that. So the 15th Amendment granted black men the right to vote under the law, but exercising that right. You know what happened became, well, how did I write it? A real challenge. I want to say more, but I'll say it was a real challenge. So after the immediate aftermath of the Civil War, everybody was in a little bit um, uncharted territory with this. Because when the Confederacy was defeated, we had some 4 million enslaved black men, women, and children that had been granted their freedom. But didn't understand, didn't know how to get it, didn't know how to use it. The emancipation that would be formalized with the passage of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution. But get this, people. For African Americans, for black Americans, whatever you call it, people. Gain the full rights of citizenship and especially the right to vote was centrally to securing true freedom and self-determination. Frederick Douglass said this during that time in May of 1865. He said, I looked this up. He said, slavery is not abolished until the black man has the ballot. And he said this a month after the Union victory at Appomattox during the Civil War. So think about presidential reconstruction and all the codes. And after Abraham Lincoln was assassinated, and I think he was April 1865, the task of reconstructing the Union fell to his successor. And that was Andrew Johnson. Now, in history... Um, this is a man that I did not like. Um, after studying a little bit about him in college, I kind of hated him. He was a Tennessee-born unionist. And he believed strongly people in states' rights. And he showed great leniency toward what white southern states in his Reconstruction policy. Let me stop there and say this. Remember, Confederacy laws, however... Southern states had what judges, congressmen, senators, sheriffs were all some of them, a lot of them, slave owners. Now, Andrew Johnson, of course, believed strongly in states' rights and showed great leniency toward white southerners in his reconstruction policy. So people, mm, the writing was on that wall, right? Who? Andrew Johnson, what? 
leniency towards states' rights. Where? Southern states. How? In his Reconstruction policy. He required the former Confederate states to ratify the 13th Amendment and pledge loyalty to the Union, but otherwise granted them free reign people in reestablishing their post-war. After the war, they got to do their post-war governments. So, you know, we're going to say post-war, but you know what? When he gave them free reign, they were trying to go back to pre-war. They were trying to, what? Start a whole nother slavery. So as a result, in 1865 to 1866, most Southern states legislators enacted restrictive laws known as Black Codes, which strictly governed Black citizens' behaviors and denied them suffrage and other rights. So it may be, it makes you stop and think historically in an African immigrant family. How today, you can sit back and say, I ain't nothing going to change. I'm not going to vote. Where a plan of action was put in so you couldn't vote through black codes. Okay. And how did black, how did whites stop blacks to vote? You know, because we was given the rights. We won't get to that in the next, in the next topic, a little bit later. Radical Republicans in Congress were outraged about this, people. I mean, I read this stuff years ago. I was probably 20 years old. I'm 55 now. That's when you found out that most blacks used to be Republicans. Okay, so radical Republicans in Congress were outraged, arguing that black codes went a long way towards reestablishing slavery. What did I always say? In all but name. Exactly. Early in 1866, Congress, you know, they, they passed the Civil Rights Bill, which aimed to build on the 13th Amendment and give black Americans the rights of citizens. When Johnson, Andrew Johnson, successor to Abraham, Abraham Lincoln, he vetoed that bill. Who? Andrew Johnson. What? Vetoed. Now, he vetoed the bill on the basis of opposing federal action on behalf of formerly enslaved people. Congress overrode his veto. Believe this, people. They overrode it, which, you know, back then when I was reading this stuff, I was jumping for joy a little bit. And this marked the first time in the nation's history that major legislation became law over presidential veto. Now we got the we got the black men got the vote before the 15th Amendment. So we'll talk a little bit about that. With passage of a new Reconstruction Act, again over Andrew Johnson's veto, in March 1867, the era of radical or congressional reconstruction began. Over the next decade, black Americans voted in huge numbers across the South, electing a total of 22 black men to serve in the U.S. Congress, two in the Senate. You can look these people up in history. And helping to elect Johnson's Republican successor, which was Ulysses S. Grant in 1868. So the 14th Amendment was approved by Congress in 66, 1866 and ratified in 1868. This granted citizenship to all persons born or naturalized in the U.S., including former slaves, and guaranteed equal protection of the laws to all citizens. Get this equal protection. In 1870, Congress passed the law of three so-called Reconstruction Amendments. The 15th Amendment which stated that voting rights could not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, 
or previous condition of servitude. Reconstruction saw biracial democracy exist in the South for the first time. Though much of the power in states' governments remain in whose hands? The white hands, okay? Understand that. Like black voters, black officials faced a constant threat of intimidation and violence, often at the hands of the Ku Klux Klan or other white supremacist groups. Now, while the 15th Amendment barred voting rights, discrimination on the basis of race, it left the door open for states to determine the specific qualification for suffrage. Southern state legislators used such qualifications. So you couldn't vote, right? Just the thing. Slaves wasn't allowed to read, right? Mm, they piggybacked off of that. Who, what, where, why, and how. So, you came to vote, you had to have a literacy test. You had to be able to read and write and all that to answer questions to be able to vote. They had poll taxes. You know what a poll tax is back then? Poll tax was that the African Americans had to pay a fee to register to vote. Now, we have any jobs or anything and to be able to pay for that. And, and it was a little high, too. They weren't doing this to the white people, but, you know, they were doing it to the blacks and other nationalities. And then they had other discriminatory practices that they did. You know, you had to answer questions about the, the legislation system. Who's the governors of the states? Who's the who's the congressmen? Who's the senators? Who's who's the judges? You had to answer all type of questions to be able to be to vote. Those were the things that they did during that reconstruction period to disenfranchise a majority of black voters. And this is in the decades following this. I'm talking about 1865 to 1868 people. So as a result, white-dominated state legislatures, legislatures consolidated control and effectively reestablished the black codes in the form of so-called Jim Crow laws. And that was a system of segregation that remained in effect for centuries, for nearly a century, really people, nearly a century. So in the 50s and 60s, securing voting rights for, for African Americans in the South became a central focus of the civil rights movement. If you understand the civil rights movement, this was a central focus. So you sit back today and say, hey, I ain't going to vote. It don't matter. It ain't going to help nobody. So you're not going to sit back. People died. White, black died to secure voting rights in the 50s and 60s for African Americans in the South. Central focus. Who, what, where, why, and how today we have to ask those questions. So you think, while the sweeping Civil Rights Act of 64 finally banned segregation in schools and other public places, it did little people out there the remedy, let's say remedy, the problem of discrimination in voting rights. The brutal attacks by state and local law enforcement, police brutality against people, on hundreds of peaceful marches led by Martin Luther King and other civil rights activists in Selma, Alabama in March 1965, 
drew unprecedented attention to the movement for voting rights. It was important that voting rights be cleared for African-Americans. So later that year, you remember President Lyndon B. Johnson signed into law the Voting Rights Act, which banned literacy tests that they was doing in the 50s and 60s and other methods used to disenfranchise black voters. So in 66, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Harper versus Virginia Board of Elections that poll taxes, which the 24th Amendment had eliminated for federal elections in 64, were unconstitutional for state and local elections as well. So they're 64 and they're still doing it. Now, I talked to you about 1865 to 68, where they developed the black codes and the Jim Crow laws and the, t the tactics the brutality of stopping you from voting even then. It's 65, 64 people and 65. So we continue today that challenges, there are challenges to black voting rights. Continue challenges to black voting rights. So I'll give you, go back a little bit. Who, what, when, why, how people? Before passes of the Voting Rights Act, as estimated, 23% of eligible black voters were registered nationwide. Okay? By 1969, that number rose to 61%. By 1980, the percentage of the adult black population on southern voter rolls surpassed that in the rest of the country. That's what they knew then. Four million slaves. Majority in the South. In the 18, in 18, late 1860s, after Abraham Lincoln's assassination, and Andrew Johnson comes into office to succeed. Congress vetoed his things that he tried to do, but couldn't stop states, black codes, Jim Crow laws in the South. I'm going to say it again. Before... Lyndon B. Johnson's Passion of Voting Rights Act, an estimated 23% of eligible black voters were registered nationwide. Nationwide, 23%. Black voters were registered nationwide, 23%. By 1969, the number rose to 61% people. By 1980, the percentage of the adult black population on Southern voter rolls surpassed that in the rest of the country. Historian James C. Cobb wrote this in 2015, adding that by the mid-1980s, there were more black people in public office in the South than in the rest of the nation combined. Because, baby, that's where we were at. And that's, where, that's why they were trying to keep us from voting. In 2012, turnout of black voters exceeded that of white voters for the first time in history. And 66.6% of eligible black voters turned out to help reelect Barack Obama. Stop. Drop. Stop that. 2012. 2012. 66.6% .6 of eligible black voters turned out to help reelect Barack Obama. The nation's first African-American president. Okay, people. It's 2020. Can we get 70% of eligible black voters to turn out to get 
Number 45 out of office. In 2013, as I love researching this, and I wrote this all down, people, because it hit me a little bit here in the heart. The Supreme Court struck down a key provision of the Voting Rights Act, ruling 5-4 in Shelby versus Holder, that it was unconstitutional to require states with a history of voter discrimination to seek federal approval before changing their election laws. So in the wake of the court's decision, a number of states passed new restrictions on voting, including limiting early voting and requiring voters to show photo ID. Supporters argue such measures are designed to prevent voter fraud, which critics say they like poll taxes and literacy tests before them disproportionately affect poor, elderly, black, and Latino voters. Now, when you look at those restrictions, you look at those restrictions, you got to think. Georgia, this is Georgia. Georgia election fight shows that black voter suppression, which was a Southern tradition, people, is still flourishing down there. So you got to be on this stuff. You got to be, a, you got to look at this up here in Philly, in Pennsylvania, across the state. And say, I'm not deterred by this. I'm going to get out and vote. I'm going to come out and vote no matter what. You're not going to stop me from making a change in this country. Being one to make a change. Every vote is going to count people. Don't be saying, oh, the vote, the, the, he didn't, President Trump didn't win the, the popular vote and he got in. Because you had to get out and vote in order to make sure everything works in turn. Didn't matter about that. It mattered about the states. You got to get out in these states and vote. You got to get out and get these delegate numbers up. All of these things are important. For you to understand. That's something we'll talk about a little later. Because I don't have all day to talk about that. That's an all day conversation. That's an all day thing. That we have to look at. And we have to determine. What we can do. To be able to solve the, the, the grassroots part. Of, of voter registration. Activists out there. You guys, we all got to get out so everyone understands what we need to do to be able to help this country and to be able to take away all the negative that has been spewed in the last four years, people. We got to really get down and dirty with this. So down and dirty means you got to learn a little bit about your history and go out and vote. I wanted to just talk a little bit about how the whole suppression of voting started after Abraham Lincoln's assassination in 1865 and what Andrew Johnson's goal was to do that spewed up all the hatred and, and put the same people back in office that were past slave owners and that hated blacks and wanted slavery to stay. Those are the people that started the black code laws. Those things were the things that, that, that made you, made our ancestors suffer. So now just to give you just a little bit 
nugget on black codes. Black codes were restrictive laws designed to limit the freedom of African Americans and ensure their availability as a cheap labor force after slavery was abolished during the Civil War. So even though the Union victory had given some 4 million slaves their freedom, the question of free black status in the post-war South was still very much unresolved. Under black codes, many states required blacks to sign yearly labor contracts. If they refused, they were, they were risked to be arrested, fined, and forced into unpaid labor. So people being outraged over black codes helped undermine support for President Andrew Johnson and the Republican Party. So Reconstruction began when President Abraham Lincoln announced a pending passage of Emancipation Proclamation in 63. The stakes of the Civil War, they, they shifted dramatically, just believe it or not. That means that the, the end of slavery was coming. So when the war drew to a close, Lincoln shocked many by proposing limiting suffrage for African Americans in the South. And then he was assassinated days later. However, his successor, you know the story of him. He was going to preside over the beginning of the Reconstruction. So did you know this? In the years following Reconstruction, the South reestablished many of the provisions of the Black Codes in the form of so-called Jim Crow laws. These remained formally in place for almost a century, but were finally abolished because of Lyndon B. Johnson and because of the fight of the African-American plight in the South. And that was the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Now, the Jim Crow laws, when I mean, they got this name for this guy who used to go around and the, doing mime pams and was named Jim Crow. And they took this off, took this and used this as a part of Jim Crow laws and black codes. So even as, as, as during that time, you know, former slaves fought to assert their independence and gain economic autonomy. During the earliest years of Reconstruction, white landowners acted to control the labor force through a system similar to the one that had existed during slavery. To that end, in the late 1865, Mississippi and South Carolina indicated, enacted the first black laws, indicated they was going to enact them. Mississippi laws required blacks to have written evidence of employment, for the coming year, each January, if they left before the end of the contract, they would be forced to forfeit, forfeit early wages. Isn't that crazy? This is everything to keep us down. In South Carolina, there was a law to prohibit blacks from holding any occupation other than farmer or servant unless they paid an annual tax of $10 to $100. These provisions hit free blacks already living in Charleston. And former slave artisans, especially hard in both states, blacks were given heavy penalties for vagrancy, including forced plantation labor in some cases. You hear this. And you talk about you ain't going to vote. Whatever religion you are, you're not going to vote. So under this man, Andrew Johnson, who I hated when I was in college and studied Civil War history. Under Johnson's Reconstruction policies, Nearly all Southern states would enact their own black codes in 1865 and 1866, while the codes granted certain freedoms to African-Americans, including the right to buy and own property, marry, make contracts, and testify in court, only involving people of their own race, though. Their primary purpose was to restrict blacks' labor and activity. Some states even limited the type of property you could own 
while virtually all the former Confederate states passed strict vagrancy and labor contract laws, as well as so-called anti-enticement measures designed to punish it. Anyone who offered higher wages to a black laborer already under contract. If you broke a contract, you were subject to what? Arrest, beating, forced labor, apprenticeship laws forced many minors, either orphans or those whose parents were deemed unable to support them by a judge, into unpaid labor for white planners. Passed by a political system in which blacks effectively had no voice, the black codes were enforced by all white police, all white state militia forces, often made up of who people Confederate veterans of civil war across the South. All right, so I'm going to say, what was the impact of the black codes? The, the restrictive nature of the codes and the widespread black resistance to their enforcement enraged many in the North who argued that the codes violated the fundamental principle of free labor ideology. After passing the Civil Rights Act over Johnson's veto, remember I talked about that, Republicans took control, effectively took control of the Reconstruction. So the Reconstructive Act of 1867 required Southern states to ratify the 14th Amendment, which granted equal protection of the Constitution of former slaves, and enact universal male suffrage before they could rejoin the Union. But when 15th Amendment came in, that's during that period of radical Reconstruction through the Republicans. From 67, from 1867 to 1877, I think, blacks won election to southern state governments and even to the U.S. Congress. So by 1877, when the last federal soldiers left the South and Reconstruction drew to a close, black had seen little improvement in their economic and social status and the vigorous efforts of white supremacist forces throughout the region had undone the political gains they had made. Discrimination would continue in America with the rise of Jim Crow laws, but would inspire the civil rights movement to come. There's no way that you can sit back and say, Oh, if I vote, it don't matter. If I don't vote, it don't matter. I just gave you the early beginning history of the voting in the 15th Amendment. They gave men the right to vote. People, we have to vote. We have to get up and vote because they don't want you to vote. Now, you see, I, was, I just, the who, what, where, why, and how. Of it. I gave it to you. I gave it to you because in 1865, when I talked about Abraham Lincoln being assassinated by John Wilkes Booth, Andrew Johnson coming into man of reconstruction and then turn around and say, hey, I'm going to put all of the same practices we did before this join in, in effect now. How does that sound to you? What, what, how does that sound? Does it sound at all familiar to now? Spewing hatred, marches, police brutality, anger, depression. Everything that's going on in this country since this, this number 45 has gotten into office. People, please, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. 
Go out to vote. I will be talking about this on each episode until voting and after. I wanted to give you just a little bit about the history of us and how hard we fought, how hard our ancestors fought. Family history. You know, my original, this podcast was about Rosa's story. And Rosa told me about how they did those things in North Carolina and how they forced them not to be able to vote. You had to be able to read. You had to be able to write. You have to pass all these tests. Some of them, you had to pay a poll tax. You had to do everything to deter you so you couldn't vote. And then if you kept coming, they beat, the, they beat you up. Police brutality arrest you. Everything to deter you, to stop you from voting into the 50s, into the 60s, into Lyndon B. Johnson signed the, the, the Voters Act. And how you still was fighting those things even till now. How we talked about voter suppression is going on now in this country. Acts have been enacted to suppress you to vote in the South still. Suppress you to vote in the North. How you could, during the COVID-19, you could vote through through the mail. But then, but the post office stops running effectively. So the mail's not coming. People, please, I've been waiting for my debit card for literally months. Had to call back and get another one. And it's supposed to be in six days. That was 10 days ago. It's still not here. But you want to send your mail off to vote by mail. You don't want to go out to vote. You scared. Put your mask on. Put your gloves on. Put your... Put your clothes all on and go stand in that line and vote. Put on your sneakers, get a chair, bottle of water, go to the right poll, find out what polling place is open for you in your community, in your neighborhood. Be prepared. If you're not registered to vote and you can be registered, go out and register, just register to vote. All young people out here, register if you're not and go out and vote. If you want to continue police brutality, if you want to continue crime in your community, if you want to continue part of not being able to succeed or listening to the rhetoric from a man that wants all people of color to fail, this is what you want. This is what you would get. We have to fight against it through voting. We have to get out. I can't stress it enough, people. I can't stress it enough. But just think about the disenfranchisement after the Reconstruction period, after the Civil War ended, and up to today in the United States of America, especially in our southern states, where it was based on a series of laws, constitutions, and practices in the South that were deliberately used to prevent black citizens from registering to vote and to vote. Those measures were enacted by former Confederate states at the turn of the 20th century. These actions were designed to thwart the objective of the 15th Amendment to the United States Constitution ratified in 1870, which sought to protect the suffrage of freedom after the American Civil War. And you today will sit back and say, I ain't going to vote. It ain't going to help nobody. Our families had to go through the Ku Klux Klan, black codes, Jim Crow laws, everything to be able to vote, everything to be able to register to vote. And you sit back today, you have been given the right and the honor to vote. 
in your community and you refuse to do so. Not anymore, people. Not anymore. We have to vote. So please stand up and vote. Stand up and vote for your for the next president of the United States, which we do not want to be number 45. Okay. This is LJ's Open Forum Podcast. And remember, listen to me on Spotify. Listen to me on iHeartRadio. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Anchor. Listen to me. Pull up LJ's Open Forum Podcast.com, which is my website. Check my post out on Facebook, LJ's Open Forum Podcast. Twitter, LJ's Open Forum Podcast. Instagram, LJ's Open Forum Podcast. As I said earlier, please follow me. Please subscribe to me so that I can continue to grow this podcast and to bring forth information that be, may be of help to you out there. People, please register to vote. Have a day of purpose today. Telling somebody else about what I talked about here. Do a little research. Google some stuff. Google disenfranchisement. Google reconstruction. Google Andrew Johnson, the man that at one point I hated in college. Google Civil War. And then you'll see that President Abraham Lincoln was assassinated before he could come up with a way to make things better. And that was the goal to assassinate him. So again, this is LJ's Open Forum Podcast. I'm your host. And let me know also how'd you like the new intro I have. It should be a little better next week. I have to download some more stuff. Get it on, get it up a little bit tighter. I hope you will like it. Hope you will enjoy it. And again, you have a wonderful day, a day of purpose. Tell someone you love them, people. We got to love each other out here. We got to stop the hate. We got to stop the killing. We got to stop the injuries. We got to love a little bit more. And number 45 has taught us a little bit more about hate rather than love. So again, LJ's Open Forum Podcast saying good day and listen to you soon. Bye-bye.